Hey, everybody, this is Melissa McKenzie, publisher of The American Spectator and senior or contributing editor of The American Spectator, Scott McKay. And we are here with our post-election, I don't even want to see a special kind of, we're post-election. nothing special in this. It's not nothing special. special. Spectacle. <laughs> it is truly a spectacle this time. And there's two topics I want to talk about today, Scott. One obviously being the the election right. and the other is which we'll get to at the end just so i want you guys to hang around because you're going to hear our hot hot warmed over kind of smelly takes about the election but at the end i want to talk about gate keeping on the right i have some beef that i want to discuss but before we get to that i would just like to say which everybody knows i was totally wrong not just a little bit wrong the only thing i was right i was about, right about one thing scott that black salt was going to lose in nevada and because of the structural problems what i didn't consider is that the lax salt problem would be everywhere in the country and it was and so we have i'm going to give everybody here listening a behind the scenes we're working on the print issue which is the election issue for the american spectator and we have my op-ed starting it is basically saying um the beyond is using the theme from the beyonce song who runs the world girls and uh how they single women swung plus 37 towards the democrats and they came out and voted and then uh the polling was totally wrong and I had estimated an extra five points, four or five points in the Republican direction, because typically that's if the polls say that the Republicans are up a little bit, we're usually up a lot. That's not true when you have, and we did touch on it, remember? I said the 500,000 votes in Pennsylvania already before the uh, debate. So you, when you have this super long intro into voting and you have all of these mail-in votes that are not at all being carefully monitored, uh, you set up a situation where Republicans almost can't win. Now, the thing is, is that someone, and I'm kind of curious about, and I'm talking all over the place here, and then you can jump in, but... In Arizona, there were people who were voting for the Democrat for sec, you know, the Secretary of State over here and the this person over here and all over the map voting. Very complicated ballots <laughs> if they were truly voting that way. And that is something new, I guess. I, I mean, the, Indiana was has been historically known for uh, ticket splitting, like that as a thing there, but nowhere else was really that way. And then there was one other piece, and then I'm gonna shut up, that I read in the Financial Times, basically saying that only 5% of voters um, were are truly swing. Everyone else is calcified. It was the thing that we talked about before, which is people are tribal and, um, sticking with their tribe no matter what and not going over to vote on the other side. Okay, so what is your assessment of all that? Um, well, I, I'll say that I was wrong as well. 
Um, I thought that this was going to be a um, monetizable red wave election. Mm -hmm. Let me say this, though. Um, there were 7 million more votes for Democrats than Republicans in 2020. There were 5 million more votes for Republicans than Democrats in 2022. Yeah. That's a 12 million vote swing. And that that actually is a red wave. The problem is there are seawalls everywhere. Um, and so what we found is, you know, you can, I mean, you know, you can have your red wave, but if you don't have um, the ability to wash it over the whole country, mm -hmm. um, you're going to find that, you know, a lot of those votes are, I don't want to say wasted, but they're wasted. Okay. You didn't need to win 60, 40 in Florida. You know, I mean, you probably had close to a million votes for Ron DeSantis that needed to be back in New York voting for Lee Zeldin. And then right. you would have taken the governorship over there. And mm -hmm. that's happened. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't remember if we've talked about this specifically on the spectacle, but there is the great sorting going on. Oh, yes. And people are moving from blue and purple states to red states because they're run better. The economy's, you know, better. They're a little safer. Generally, the weather is a little bit better. Um, you know, whether it's South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, you know, a, a friend of mine is, is, um, is, uh, has just moved to Arkansas. I was trying to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Can't buy a house anywhere in Arkansas. I mean, it, it literally it's, I mean, uh, something goes, and these are like small towns in Arkansas that have been kind of nowhereville forever. And I mean, you can't, can't buy one. I mean, something goes on, on, uh, on the market and it's gone in 48 hours at, 10% over asking price in Arkansas In Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas has done fairly well mm -hmm. uh, economically, but I mean, it's, that's, you know, it's Mayberry. Well, guess what? People like Mayberry better than Chicago. Um, yeah. And so, and most of these people who are moving are not left wingers, left wingers really like blue States. I mean, they, you know, they, they've come to this cultural thing where, you know, flyover territory is full of mouth breathing Trumpers who, you know, lynch people on the weekends like they believe that stuff so they would never move to a red state right and then you throw covid in and they, oh my god i'm gonna die of covid if i go to florida right <laughs> right i mean they believe this stuff okay right. this is the reason you have these idiots walking around by themselves in in you know open air double masked even now i mean like they believe this crap so they don't move to red states. It's the Republicans who stream out of California and New York and Illinois and P Pennsylvania and all these kinds of kinds of places. And so we are having a great sorting. And, the, you know, the, the I guess negative, if you're a Republican or, or a conservative, the negative effect of this is that the great sorting means that red states will be as red as blue states are blue. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, does this move us toward a national divorce? Yes. Does that, I mean, does that mean one's going to happen? No, but, and I wrote this at, at Reviver, which is, you know, the other site that I'm, that I'm doing uh, now, I uh, wrote this last night. You are going to have to start voting with an eye toward um, uh, long-term defense, okay? Who are the people who are going to prepare my state and my, you know, my county or, or my area for the eventuality that maybe we might have a nat national divorce? How do we dis, you know, uh, disentangle ourselves from the federal government if there should be you know, a red America, blue America type of thing? You're going to have to start to consider that stuff. And it'll really become evident over the next couple of years as Team Biden 
takes from the midterms the um, lesson that we're doing everything great. We don't have to change a thing. We don't have to recalibrate. We don't have to do Bill Clinton in 1994. We don't have to do any of that stuff. Right. Full speed ahead. Okay. Um, so you're going well, to. He said, well, he, he was asked, right. You know, the next day after the election, he's like, are you going to, are you going to change it? He's like, why? Exactly. He's like, I'm freaking invincible. And the thing is, if you're a de Democrat and here's the thing that's interesting, Scott, is that the, the uh, media has been awfully quiet because they predicted and all the Democrat uh, operatives predicted a red wave as well. And so right. this didn't this didn't happen. And it's almost like, were we too good at this scam? Because now it's going to be really looked at. And I do think where the Demo where the Republicans, because they didn't want to give the J6ers and Trump any credit at all. They might still be bitching about Trump publicly and oh, are they? But, you know, behind the scenes, they're going to be like, this is worrisome because this is a problem for realsies because Trump is going to leave, which is something I have been saying, you know, why are we acting like this man is eternal? He's not. He's going to be gone and we are going to be left with uh, defending the indefensible because the our, the leaders of our party hate Trump and and more importantly, hate his voters. So like Megan McCain after the election said, uh, MAGA is poison. And I was like, there is no way a, a big voice on the left in the Democratic Party would ever call their base poison. Never would it be said, never would it even be thought, or if it is thought, it would not come out of their mouths anyway. And here we are on the right with leaders saying that this this whole group that, you know, the idea that McConnell and Schumer are getting together and how can they get rid of America, get MAGA out of America. I'm like, that's 70 percent of your base, Mitch McConnell. And I think it's more than that. And you're the reason Mitch McConnell and the rest of you pathetic people in D.C., that we even had to have a Donald Trump. So hearing this is just like, and like, if you want to win in places like Nevada and places like Pennsylvania, which I do think is possible still, by the way, total Arizona should not, it would have been red is because you refused to deal with reality and what the mail-in ballots meant for the election. You didn't do it before the last election when Trump was accurately saying this is a problem. And people were like, well, why didn't he do anything then? Well, I mean, there's mechanisms at the state level that should have been, you know, looked at. The The, the Supreme Court kicked the can down the road. There were a lot of things that happened because the Republican Party is nothing if not uh, flat footed. They're not the nimble party. And they always catch up late. But in order for us to, for the Republican Party ever to have a chance again, they're going to have to address this stuff. Um, well, obviously. And, and look, Trump does not escape blame for this. Oh, no, I'm not. This yeah. was happening. Then yeah. it happened in 2020. Right. He goes out and raises, what, $300 million for this cycle. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that money needed, or at least some of it, a lot of it, I would say, needed to be invested in election integrity. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and it had to be Trump because when 2022 came around, the Republican Party had already run away from January 6th. Okay. And, and, you know, and I'll say this, January 6th was a problem. I mean, when it happened, if you'll remember, I wrote, this is a trap and MAGA fell into it. Right. Yep. I, like, I was well, like, for, thing. because this is what, what happened on January 6th. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, you can you can put the tinfoil hat on me or, or all you want. But what happened on January 6th was that you had agents provocateur bringing people into that Capitol to disrupt what? Republican members of Congress who were going to start an inquiry over the things that were done that were not legal and were not regular about the 2020 election. That was happening and it was disrupted when those people went into the Capitol. And how many of them went into the Capitol when they were invited by the Capitol uh, police? Come on in, guys. And they disrupted Congress and blew up the entire proceeding. And I say this because I know people that were going to present evidence. Sure. Friends of mine in Congress that, that were ready to present evidence of things that were wrong with that election. Hey, there was this, there was this, there was this. Forget about whether they stole the election or if it affected the vote. These were not legal practices. This is not what's, what's you know, state law in Wisconsin, for example, that was done. Okay? Right. That evidence would have been presented to the American people with everyone watching, all right? right? And it would have been, does it save Trump? No, it doesn't save Trump. At that point, you'd already lost because you'd been outmaneuvered. But you might have built a national consensus to never have an election like that again. And that right. didn't happen, okay? They put all of those people in jail, and they have stigmatized any discussion of not whether they stole the election, necessarily but whether the election was illegally operated which right. is the important bit okay and all of that has been shunted off to the side now we've had an election particularly nevada and arizona that everybody's been watching because it's taken them a week to count the votes and let me tell you something if they don't count the votes on election night they're stealing it period don't want to hear anything other than that you are looking for ballots that you can counteract because you already know how many you have and if and when it's mail-in ballots that are being counted at the at the end rather at than the at end. the beginning. Right. When they've had them. And the could presumption count. should be that it's being stolen. Right. The presumption. And why not, you know, look, I'll just tell you what happened in Arizona. And and I'm gonna blame Carrie Lake a little bit on this because I think Carrie Lake Carrie Lake shed votes that she didn't need to shed in the last week or so of that campaign when she just knew she was going to win. And she had that whole thing. And I think we talked about it the last podcast, you know, where she, I'm going to teach you how to do your job. I think because look, 54% of the electorate is women. Okay. And women voters do not like caustic and combative. You have to be humorous. You have to be, you know, light and funny. You can ridicule people, but you have to have, you have to be like, you know, uh, Jimmy Fallon when you do it. Right. Like it's got to be one of these. I'm laughing. I'm laughing with you. I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Like it has to be one of those kinds of things. Right. It's very difficult with a stern face to go and rip somebody up and down when you're running for office. You do that after you've been elected. Okay. But when you're still, when you haven't gotten the job yet, you have to be nice. And Carrie Lake got that 11 point lead in that poll and she thought, okay time to hammer down and i'm going to let the media that you know all these people i've been watching for 30 years stink at their jobs i'm gonna let them have it she was a week early 
She would have won that thing beyond the margin of fraud. She didn't because I think she dropped the ball on that. But, but, okay, you saw how this worked. Mm-hmm. They took the mail-in votes and, and, you know, first of all, they shut the tabulators down. Mm-hmm. Tell me 20% of the tabulators failed in Maricopa County. That is, that is such a line of horse shit that that could have happened. Same oh, thing happened. Batteries and it was malfunction my ass. You turn the damn things off so that these people had to drop their ballots in a box. Right. Somebody went whether, I mean, they knew, okay, this is 75% Republican because of the precinct right. it comes from or whatever. And they, how much does it weigh? All right. This is X many ballots. Right. We're going to wait for five days to count this. And you know what? We're going to bring ballots in out of the back door. And they balanced off all the Republican votes that they knew were there and had not been counted. Okay. Because if they count them, then they're that much closer to being finished counting. Right. Right. So you delay, delay, delay. You figure out how many votes you need and you bring them in through the back door. Do not tell me I am wrong on this because you can't prove I'm wrong, number one. And number two, it's obvious. This well, is- and the thing is, it didn't just happen there. It I happened know. in Washaw County. They had the lights went out for twelve hours. I <laughs> mean, and then well, in Harris County, twenty with the oh, they got you know yeah. the basements flooded and blah, blah blah blah. I mean, we had a pipe burst. It's all bullshit. Okay, right. it's all bullshit. And I, like, it's an insult to my intelligence to tell me, oh no, no this is just how it is. And and you know, Republicans have always had to win by, you know, more than the margin of fraud, okay? And I hate to say this, but somebody in a smoke-filled room somewhere is going to have to start creating a a margin of fraud the other way. Let's find sheriffs in, you know, rural counties someplace who crooked as the day is long. They're they're Republicans. Their dad was the sheriff, and he was a Democrat, and he was crooked as the day is long. And let's start farming votes out of the graveyard, because when you're doing the exact same thing the Democrats are doing, and you start doing it better, now we'll have election integrity, because the other side's going to sue for peace. And if you think that you're going to just sit there and be Ned Flanders and ever win an election again in a place other than like Florida or Texas or Tennessee or South Carolina, which is now a refuge. Then- yeah, but the thing is, Scott, it happened in Texas, Harris County, in the Republican precincts in Harris County. Um, they have, and this is in Texas. This is the biggest county in Texas, in Houston. And, the, it's, and blue. it's blue. Well, no, it, it has traditionally been until. Who's, until running, the, who's running Harris County? Well, okay, yes, I understand that. It, that's who's running it. I'm saying that up until this point, it always been about Bellwether County, and and then it kind of got more blue. Well, Lena Hidalgo absolutely scandalized the whole county, and they wanted her out. And so, what did they do to keep her in? Same exact thing, but on a local level. And I'm like, if Ken Paxton does not deal with this crap, I. I'm done with the Republicans. The Republicans cannot continue to be this stupid. And and then it makes me think, are they in on it? So like my real, I mean, this is the real scary thought is because it's strange how uh, somebody like Lombardo gets in, in, in uh, Nevada, but then anybody who would tip the Senate and make Mitch McConnell's life difficult doesn't get in. And so like, and that was true for all of those races. And 
you know, his shenanigans have tanked races before, before this. They've been tanking races since 2007 when he was in a position. Right. Of I mean, that that's not a, that's not, I mean, not to like be in, you know, dismiss or that, that's not news. Like, right. We've no, I mean, we've known this forever. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things on what you just said. You do remember who Joe Lombardo is. Joe Lombardo is the sheriff in Las Vegas who couldn't figure out anything important about the mass shooter at the uh, Mandalay Bay. Yep. We still don't know. He gets elected governor of Nevada. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and again, I don't want to be the tinfoil hat guy, but that is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And if you're not interested in the fact that that guy has not, I mean, anywhere else you'd say you're the sheriff, you couldn't solve the most uh, high profile crime in the history of the state. Right. A few years later, you end up governor Mm -hmm. and they let you win. Like, right. Okay. I mean, maybe that's a coincidence. Things don't tend to be coincidences anymore. Not in politics, if they the other, ever were. Then the other piece is it comes out today. Um, so, and you know, look, the biggest story of this entire election cycle, the whole thing, is this uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Oh yes, FTX. Yes, FTX. All right. the. Can you explain for everybody? So, like, well, I'll just give you the simple piece. Yeah. Right? The simple version of this is, I mean, is your tax dollars went to Ukraine in foreign aid. The Ukrainians invested those tax dollars in crypto through FTX. FTX just spent $40 million bankrolling the Democrats in the 2022 midterm election. Second biggest donor to George George Soros, then this guy. And let me tell you, this Sam Bankman-Fried is the biggest freak you ever found. This dude, he he looks like a Muppet. He, he lives in a penthouse with 10 other people in uh, in the Bahamas. And it's a big poly. Like there's 10 executives of this company and they all sleep. Something kind of got a little disconnected. So what Scott was saying is that he, this guy, and I cannot believe he's the brains of anything, Scott, because he's so weird. I don't know if you've seen the video where he was doing some commercial with Tom Brady in the Bahamas and he just walked away. And then he was sitting next uh, court side with Bill. Of course, Bill Clinton is in on this. And I'm like, it's all the same. And all this aid money getting sent to to um, Ukraine. And I'm like, oh, there it is. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. That is just one Democrat um money laundering scheme that was set up and it, you know that it's not the only one the this was the clinton foundation the the uh this is the saudis back before they got stopped with trump laundering money this is the way the democrats have bankrolled themselves it's been the us t- dollars it's been through afghanistan 1 billion in the last year spent in afghanistan where did that go I, right. I can promise you it didn't go to the Afghani uh, people. No, um, it is somewhere in a Democrat, a crooked Democrat's pocket somewhere. Well, look, we we know that the Ukrainian uh, uh, laundromat has been in operation for a very long time. OK, this yeah. started with Obama, if not before, probably oh. started with Clinton, um, Afghanistan was absolutely a laundromat mm-hmm. starting with Obama. 
maybe even starting with oh, Bush. But the thing that. is, you, I think you, you have to go b- back before because John Kerry's uh, kid was on the Burisma board. Hunter Biden's on the Burisma board. Mitt Romney's uh, chief policy guy on the Burisma board. And then you had Lindsey Graham and John McCain, you know, palling around with freaking Nazis in Ukraine. Um, uh, So this is this. They spread the wealth. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, and, you know, one final piece on FTX, what comes out this morning um, is that uh, FTX put two and a half million into Mitch McConnell. Yeah. So, you know, you want to talk about opposition, the GOP leadership, Mitch McConnell, it's there. You know, I, I, you know, Jack Posobiec, I think, had a really good point. He said, Lindsey Graham bringing that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, probably moved oh, about six different states. And the whole point of Dobbs was to say, we're going to decide abortion at the state level. Okay. The point you had a very, you had a perfect narrative that you could bring, right? Which say, look, if you in a red, yeah, there are going to be restrictions on abortion. If you live in a blue state, there will be much less. And that's federalism. It's what the country was founded on. It's a good thing. This is not something that threatens anybody. If you live in whatever, Louisiana, where abortion is going to be a big time uh, mm-hmm. no-no, you can get on a plane and go to freaking wherever where it's where you know there's going to be the ability to do an abortion. Yeah. You know, look, they, I mean, that's federalism. It's a good thing. You know, some places are going to are going to have different laws than others. But that's America. Right. And, you know, let the best, you know, let the best state win in, the, in terms of competition for you know jobs and capital and population and whatever. And that's like really work for the country. And he brings this bill and all of a sudden what what the fervor over Dobbs, which was starting to dry up, gets blown up again. And now not only do you have this issue, but they've actually got a federal nexus issue where you have now opened it up for the states to be the leaders in the sea realm. And if you're a Republican and you're opposed to Lindsey Graham's deal, like, for example, Mehmet Oz lost votes on the right because he he said, you know, look, you know, I'm pro-life. I don't know if anybody really believed that he was pro-life, but he didn't like Lindsey Graham's bill. He said, yeah, we should do this, in, you know, in Pennsylvania, like the voters in Pennsylvania should be able to do it. Well, if you're pro-life right. in Pennsylvania, you're like, that doesn't help me much. OK. And the, the correct response to that is, well, yeah, but you guys need to get off your butt in the pro-life movement in Pennsylvania and win the argument. But Mehmet Oz is like, we shouldn't do this at the federal level. He bleeds pro-life vote. If he'd have said, yeah, I'm for Lindsey Graham's uh, bill, he bleeds you know, pro-choice vote that he right. could otherwise get. So well, that, you, that's like, why you put did all you... of your candidates in a trick box in places that right. aren't red states by bringing that bill, Okay. And, and the, okay, and, wait, Scott. Does anyone believe that that Lindsey Graham gives a shit about this issue? When that came out, I was like, no, "What? No, do of course not. this is pure poison for our side." And the, and I was like, "What is he doing?" And then going on the press and talking about it, and then what? Aren't you good enough conservative? I was just like this. But here's my bigger thing: Why does uh, Trump speak? and is friendly with this snake 
Why Trump picks the worst friends? Why is he backing up Kevin McCarthy? Who? That's what I was. Why is why is Trump backing Rana uh, Romney McDaniel for RNC chair? Why? Absolutely, she has got to go. She has. She is twenty twenty two one of the most underperforming electoral cycles in modern Republican history, and she's responsible for both. Not because. Just that, that, you know, you underperformed. It's how you underperformed. You right. underperformed as to the mechanics of yes. these elections. OK, you, you know, the mail in ballot stuff. Fine. You don't go in and fight that at the state level. So it's not a thing or put the proper safeguards against, you know, against ballot harvesting and all this kind of stuff. So you failed on that. And when you failed on that, you didn't create it yourself. Right. Republicans should be harvesting ballots. They should be harvesting ballots. I mean, churchgoers. Do not vote like you think they vote. You should right. be harvesting ballots in those churches on Sundays. Okay? Right. Like you should you should absolutely turn I me. Mean, I hate to put it this way, but white churches should harvest ballots like black churches do. There are a lot well, more people no. in white churches than black churches and there are more white churches than black churches. So harvest the ballots there. Harvest the ballots from cops, harvest the ballots from firemen. All these people are Republicans. Okay, I mean, the electorate's fifty-four percent female. Okay, you've got, and like you said, plus thirty-seven D among single females. All of the other demographics are Republican, right? Married women, single men, um, married men, all. You know, I, I mean, various degrees of Republican. Nobody's plus thirty-seven, but some of them are double-digit Republican. Married people are double digits Republican. Right. Okay. Single men are now plus 54. 80, yeah. Okay. And it's minus 37 for single women. Right. So why are you not harvesting ballots mm-hmm. for single guys? Married. Why are you not doing that? Okay. Like, like they, they needed well, to. We had, those, uh, we had Trump rallies. You know what they did for Obama rallies like that? They had buses and they took people to vote instead of Trump showboating. Right. Get, take have buses and say, while this is going, we're all taking you to early vote. Well, or we'll sure harvest that. your ballot. Sure that, but I mean, at the very minimum, and I, I I don't know that this has been done. Maybe it was at the very minimum. You go to a Trump rally, okay, and it's free to get in. But you're showing your you're showing your voter ID card because mm-hmm. you don't get in if you don't. But you can go over here because we got a line set up for you to register to vote. Right. And we got 30,000 people show up at a rally. We're going to make sure that we got 30,000 registered voters leaving that thing. Right. If they don't if they if he didn't do that, then that is malpractice. OK, because it's exactly what the Democrats do. All right. And if the Republican Party doesn't start thinking of a wholesale Get yeah. out the vote strategy as opposed to this retail. Oh, we're going to win the voters' uh, hearts and minds, and we're going to convince people. It's like, you know what? That You're going to win the election if the other guy's willing to fight that way. But he hadn't been willing to fight that way since Tammany Hall. Right. Okay? Like, what Like, like mm-hmm. what are you doing? How, how are you not harvesting votes every chance you get? On every college campus in America— The business and engineering and medical students ought to be freaking registered Republicans. There should be like there should be money pumped into putting those people into 
young Republicans, college Republicans, you know, whether it's YAL or whatever, I mean, they need to be, it needs to be a peer pressure thing um, that, that's done where you're going to try to turn the college vote back to the right as much as you can. And the well, thing ben, of it is, is it's ben. actually fun if you do that because you're the rebels on campus. Right. But no effort has been made. I mean, I, you know, like I got a big flagship university just down mm -hmm. the road from me. And so I watch the things that are going on at LSU. And, I, you know, and I got LSU kids because, you know, I do the hayride and, you know, these mm -hmm. kids read it. That's so why I get emails. Oh, you wouldn't believe this professor or whatever. And I, I mean, I always ask these kids, like, you know, what's being done to try to get this stuff moving from, uh, you know, get these kids to vote Republican or, or become conservative activists or whatever. Nothing. Turning point, turning point is active. YAL is a little bit active. I'm like, okay, so that's a big Greek campus. Fraternities mm -hmm. and sororities, tons and tons of Greek. Mm -hmm. Like those are those kids are all Republicans. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, their parents are all Republicans. I'm like, okay, are they are they registering Republicans at in all the fraternity and sorority houses at LSU? Oh no, why not? Your parents are Republicans. You're you know you you come from the kind of background where you should be a Republican voter. These kids ought to be tigers. They go into their classrooms and hear a bunch of crap from professors, and they get their phone out recording it. Like, that's what should happen. They should be absolute tigers on these campuses. No, that will happen if somebody organizes it. Turning Point's doing a little of that. Nobody's organized. I mean, the big thing is, is we want to get a speaker on that campus and then expose these nut job lefties who are going to scream and yell when, uh, when the speaker comes. And that's, you know, like, that's a nice piece of showboating, and I think it should be done. But you need to register all the fraternities and sororities to vote. Yeah, but you can okay. build a Republican constituency on that campus, and that's not being done. Okay, but Scott, now you're tripping into the issue that I want to talk at the end about about at the end, but it's coming up sooner. Because on the right, we have we we have you know Stephen Crowder or Ben Shapiro or one of these guys, Michael Knowles, or these guys go onto campuses. They talk to all these kids, and that's great. And it caused a little bit of controversy and Ann Coulter used to be that person. Now it's, you know, a new breed, but everybody on the right, except for the actual like Americans for prosperity or whatever, look down on the activist class. There is an, there is a snobbery on the right where the people who actually get shit done, the people who gave us two red waves, actual literal waves, we're not anyone in the GOP establishment. We're not in the RNC. I got into it with this turkey over at the Cato Institute on Twitter, and he's a, a, an election specialist or whatever. He looked very young, and maybe it's just a function of me getting very old. But I was just like, he was talking about, yes, Romney did too have a get out the vote effort. And I was like, I was there for that. I actually worked that election. election they and had an app that crashed on election day. What the hell right. kind of get out the vote effort was that? Their big get out the vote effort was their damn app that they had never tested and then failed was called whale. It was a debacle. And and the Romney campaign, because I remember this because I was working this, would not 
would not work with any other grassroots people. So you had pro-life people, you had Americans for Prosperity, that's economic freedom people, and then you had the Romney campaign people would all end up knocking on the same doors and then ignore all of these other doors because no one would communicate with each other and say, hey, we got this neighborhood covered or whatever. There was no coordination with any other activists. There was absolutely... I'm convinced that Romney just really did not want to win because everything that would it that it would take to to win they didn't do and it was an absolute debacle in Ohio which is the state that he needed to win didn't get it and so like the GOP this is not a new thing people are sitting there blaming Trump and Trump now, should Trump have said what he said, before, you know, about uh, DeSantis? No. And I watched his um, rally the night before the election with J.D. Vance. Right. And it was Trump all the time. J.D. Vance was on like 30 seconds at the end of the thing. Trump is such a narcissist. He can't help himself. And I was like, shut your pie hole. Wait until this week is done. Let, you know, another hurricane came through Florida, for heaven's sake, let the winners bask in their own glory and then start your campaigning. But no. And I just am like, I'm tired of that baloney. On the other hand, and this is what I think is the problem for 2024. As much as Trump irritates me, the GOP who's failed over and over and over and over again does not deserve the leadership positions they have does not deserve um, to be making any kind of uh, they they've clearly are fools about, you know, what matters most to Americans. When Lindsey Graham, bla- you know, blasted off at the face about stupid abortion, which I was like, this is settled. Everybody can't, you know, afford their groceries. And you're talking about this. People are pissed off at the Democrats because they're so out of touch. And then you're talking about this stuff that doesn't even matter. Most people have figured out that on the state level, they're fine. I was like, so then I think, is it purposeful? Because this kind of stupidity is so, um, it's aggressive. It's not like, you know, passive stupidity. This is aggressive stupidity. Mitch McConnell spending the money he spent in stupid Alaska is aggressively stupid or purposeful. No, McConnell spending that money was purposeful. Yeah. Um, What I will say is this, um, and this this is more sort of under the surface than um, than at the top where you find a, a Lindsey Graham or a McConnell or these guys that are that are making dumb decisions and doing dumb things um, in public, but you have a real serious problem, like particularly the staff level. Okay. Um, You have, you have layers and layers of mediocrity. And so what happens is uh, they hire intentionally badly, because if you hire somebody really talented to be whatever, chief of staff or comms or whatever, um, you know, in a congressional situation or even some of these think tanks or certainly with the party, if you hire somebody like that, they're going to have your job before long, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that the people that work under you are not better than you. Mm-hmm. Like this is a real thing within the Republican structure, whether it's Capitol Hill or within the party apparatus or whatever, because 
you have a bunch of people that, you know, got where they got because they got involved in Republican politics because they couldn't do well in other things. Um, <laughs> right. Whereas with the, you know, the Democrats are very meritocratic because the people who believe in their philosophy, being in government and having power over your fellow man, mm. that's a big deal. That's important. Okay. Right, I mean, that's, right. but on, you know, on the conservative side, that's not the, that's not the ethic. The ethic is go start a business and go make a million dollars doing that. Because if, you know, like, like conservatives, and he wasn't a conservative, but like a conservative will look at Steve Jobs and say, mm -hmm. this guy got people to change their lives to access his products because mm -hmm. his stuff was that good. And that's like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. The, mm -hmm. the, you know, a, a liberal or a leftist, a Democrat looks at it and says, you know, I want to be Bill Clinton when I grow up. So like, I don't have to have any personal ethics at all because I got uh, power over my fellow man and I mm -hmm. can exercise it however I want. Right. Like they look at that and that's what they want to be when they grow up. So you're up against the most talented folks that they have, mm -hmm. not generally speaking, the candidates per se, but like their consultants and the strategists and so forth. And they run rings around you because what you have on the right is we have somebody's nephew. OK. Mm -hmm. And like this plays out over and over and over again. And as your economy gets more and more calcified. Mm -hmm. And and um, and, you know, less dynamic because of all of the regulations and everything else that's been put on. Trump comes in office and does amazing things with the economy mm -hmm. um, by just cutting some regulations. And all of a sudden it goes from two percent to four percent growth like that. Right? right. And you still had structural. In fact, the structural problems that showed up in the economy at the time is all of a sudden you have a massive labor shortage that still hasn't gone away because your schools are so bad that they don't turn out enough quality employees to keep a business growing. Okay. Right. And that's what our, like in 2018 and 2019, that's what our economy ran up against. We could have been growing a lot hot faster than that. Had we had the actual employees for these, these companies to put people on the job. Right. But the point is they have so calcified the economy by bureauc bureaucratizing it and right. regulating it into the dust. And it's right. the more you do that, it goes to become the left's model because you can't just get super talented people on the, on the conservative side and go throw them in government. They'll, they'll shoot themselves in the head. They'll get one right. sniff of that bureaucracy. And um, at, I think it was Monday at the Federalist, Joy Pullman had this amazing article it was so good. Uh, and it was all about the single women piece. Mm -hmm. And she basically said, you know, like uh, the preponderance of these women, if not a majority of these women are working in basically make work secretarial type jobs that they mm -hmm. have been convinced are like the Lord's work, the social work stuff. And mm -hmm. like, you know, all of this kind of garbage. They're, they're all bureaucratic type jobs. Okay. Either right. they're government jobs or it's like corporate HR where they've got five times the people they need this whole bit. And so you have like the, you know, all like, you know, you've got some oil company and the guys that actually make the oil company work are the dudes out in the field drilling for oil. Right. And like making stuff. And then the back office is like full of secretaries who are basically complying with regulations is what they do. Right. Right. So now you're going to go to these people and say, look, we want to cut government. And they're like, I get laid off if that happens, right? right. 
But the other piece, and she wrote this, and it was so, so, so right, is they've convinced all these women that that job is what they're going to get fulfillment out of, right? right? I'm an independent, strong woman, and I have a good job. And it's like, okay, you sit at a desk doing office work all day. It's not that big a deal. And like Joy Bowman's saying, these are women who should be somebody's wife and have kids and like right. have a family and get involved in their community and like have a full life instead they're cat ladies at 40 years old who are about to get pumped out of the corporate infrastructure so that they can hire somebody, you know, younger and cheaper and they yeah. don't even realize it. And their entire lives are going to get wasted away on this false promise of, you know, feminist independence and all this kind of stuff. And they vote Democrat plus 37. Right. right. And they're going to die alone. Right. Like, I mean, they're being horribly misused by this entire process. And, you know, I don't really know how the Republican Party fixes that because they're not going to want to hear any of the stuff they really need to hear. Right. Which well, is the thing is, they're, is they're making you waste your life and you need to, right. you know, like you need to be thinking relationships quickly while you can still have a kid and all like that. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's the absolute truth. And as a society, we have to have it because our birth rate is plummeting. And we're not even we're not even at replacement anymore. So we're going to end up like Western Europe and the whole country is going to be 70 years old. You know, people who get found in their houses, half eaten by their pets. Like that, <laughs> it's awful. But that literally is the future for th millions of Americans the way it is right now. Um, and, you know, and like nothing is being done. We're not even talking about it because we're so afraid. Of course, the way I look at it is if you're minus 37 with single women, you got nothing to lose but to start talking about this because oh, you right. may actually convert some. And if you're minus 37, you're not even, you, there's nobody left for you to lose. The people right. who are voting for you who are single women are probably like Trumpers who are so obnoxious. Other Trumper guys are like, dude, I can't even handle her. Right. But they're <laughs> going to, they're going to keep their right wing politics. It's just everything else is a real problem. But I mean, the, you may actually convert some other ones by saying, are you happy with your life? Because they've actually designed this for you. They, they set up the economy so that major companies all have to be bureaucratized so that you can have a job that gives you zero fulfillment and not that much money, by the way. Right. And like, what's your future going to be? And the, of course, the answer is the life of Julia is the future. But people yeah. 10 years down the road are seeing that and like, that's not that great. So yeah, they have the an opportunity is, to fix some of this. The, the, the thing is, so like my my son this week was showing me these videos. The, these guys go onto campus. They talk, and the only question that they're asking these college students, men and women, is, "Does body count matter?" Okay, so by body count they mean, does it matter how many people you've had sex with? Oh, notch count. Okay. Okay, notch count. Well, that's from our generation. And I had to explain that to my kids when notches in your belt meant. Wow. Anyway, and and so like these the guys were all like, yeah, it totally matters. Oh, for and, women? Oh, well, yeah. no, but the men, it's bad. He so like, and the girls were like, no, it doesn't matter. And then they were like, okay, so you'd be okay with having sex with a guy who's had a hundred partners. Well. Does he wear a condom? So all the girls are playing cutesy. And there was one conversation with this one girl that was particularly painful to watch because the boys were very articulate who were talking, who are also in the, in the same interview with her. 
And she's like, it's not fair. Why can they have sex with anyone they want, but we can't? And so th this one guy said, a, a, a guy can't have sex with anyone they want. A girl has to say yes, but a girl is picky. So if a, a girl can have sex with who she wants. So if a girl um, has had tons of partners, that means she doesn't, she isn't picky. And he was making the point he does she doesn't esteem me either right like i'm not special right. yeah and and so he goes it might be fine to have sex with that girl but i will know that i'm just one of many and because she can have whoever she wants and she doesn't and she could not he was explaining it in a very lot she could not but that's not fair and the one the other guy standing next to her said but men and women aren't the same are they right he, yeah, life's like, not fair and men and women are not the same. No, we're not it, the same. There's a, there's a, and I guess it was like a, a day or two ago that it, that it was popped on YouTube. There's a, a Rich Cooper video talks exactly about that. He says, you know, look, study after study, men are not interested in pros promiscuous women sure. for relationship purposes. And it's, he, he has said this, he's not the only, a whole bunch of people have said it, which is, you know, women are the arbiters of sex. Right. Men are the arbiters of relationships. That's right. Okay. That's um, right. You know, because look, a guy is a guy who's going to try to have sex. Everybody knows that. Right. But, you know, a girl wants a relationship, right? That's like, right. I mean, that's, so, and that's kind of where you have ships passing in the night. But the point is, is that if she's giving it up to a whole bunch of different guys, okay, right. then the guy's like, well, okay, it doesn't need to be a relationship with you you're a hookup, right. right? And I don't want some other guy's hookup, right? Right. And this is basically, it's like people just doing what they think is in their interest and you can't really blame them. But the problem is, is you have the culture that intervenes and yeah. tells women things that are not true, which They're is not true. you can act the same way as a man, you can do the same stuff. And the problem is, is that, um, you know, that may sound okay as a political statement or as sort of the, maybe like the way we want the culture to be. Problem is, is it doesn't work because what you leave women with at the end of the day is, you know, this empty, um, you know, kind of brokenness, right? Because right. if you're, you know, you get to 32 and you've got, you know, the big notch count and you were like with all these guys and had all, you know, I had my fun where now I'm going to settle down. And the guys that you want as a girl to settle down with, and hey, you know, I, mean, I really would like, I mean, I'm, I'm hot. This guy should be like, he goes, she's screwed all my friends well i'm not yeah i mean like i don't want to get with her because she's like she's done like she's done all these guys and yuck like well the, thing is, the women know the truth underneath scott because the guy yeah. the, the interviewer asked them so you tell the truth to all your partners then oh no no, no. so this is where the girls the the, the they they give the game away yeah where... the, the rule is they'll the rule is they say half Right. Yeah. If it's 50 guys, you say 25. Right. And right. so all the guys know when she says 25, it means 50. Well, like, right. you know, that's what they or at least that's what they assume. Yes. Right? right. They assume it. And they're not wrong to assume it. I don't think after listening to some of these girls talk, I was I was so appalled, not because I was mad at these girls, per se, but I was upset that they had take that. No one. I mean, I'm like, where are their parents? You know, I had this conversation with my daughter as a teenager and it made her mad, you know, 
And, and I was like, life isn't fair. And you have to understand how a man works, you know, how man thinks in under to understand your own value in a system that where your goal is to marry the, the best prospect and to have a life and a family and children. Okay. So certain things structurally have to be in place for you in order to have what you want. Right. And so like, you can't do certain things that, um, without consequences. Now you can do them, but you have to understand that you're making a choice. And so like these girls though, do not get it. And I, I, I was like, nobody is sitting down with them. And the interesting thing, Scott, was I felt real empathy, not just for the women, but the women were so, they were so young and so hardened, like just so hardened. And the young men were very earnest. And I was like, basically saying like, if a girl, if he thought a girl was quality and she said no to sex, he would be okay with it because if she valued herself, then he valued her more. And they were so typically male and the women refused to listen to them to their own demise. And I was like, we have a whole culture like this. And then what happens when you raise a good boy? And then these girls who are so hard hardened are like, what, you're not a man? You know what I mean? Like, and totally twisted in their mind. So you have this whole it's a very sad cultural issue. And I think the reason we're talking about it is it's a political issue. And that's plus cynic- 37 number. Okay. That plus yeah. 37D. That is this culture. Okay. And and let me let me get on my soapbox real fast, if you don't mind. Okay. This is you get the sort of Mitt Romney Republicans. Oh, we don't really need to talk about the cultural and right. social. Oh, this is a bunch mm-hmm. of no, jackass. This is the reason why this stuff is important. Now, the le- you know, and I've said this before, you know, over and over again. The left is so far out over their skis on this that like Joe Rogan is on our side, right? Right. So, but the point is, is that you that you've now let the culture become so poisonous that the culture, particularly among the young, is creating people who are absolutely miserable. And, you know, it was all suicide was always a massive, 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 you know, male thing. Always. The girls thing was there. Now it's not. Now it's something like in the last, I don't know, 15 years, there's four times the increase in self-harm among females uh, than than among males. I mean, I guess, you know, the people on the the boys who are going to do it probably were already going to do it. Whereas now you have created a culture that makes so many women, young Mm -hmm. women, um, you know, miserable and unhappy and have mental problems. And you remember a year ago, there was this study and it was like the the Mm -hmm. left wing 18 to 29, basically the plus 37 D crowd. Yeah. More than half of them have diagnosed mental, uh, emotional and mental issues. All right. And that's a culture, okay? When you have numbers like that, it's because they are marinating in something inherently unhealthy. The phones, the the I mean the the I mean go flip channels on the cable and look at the reality shows and everything. Right. It is all destructive garbage, okay? Right. And, and, you know, and the, and the the moral majority and all these guys back in the 80s, all these guys are a bunch of fuddy-duddies and they right. want to drag us back to the 50s. Let me tell you something. This country culturally 
would be so much better off if you could drag it back to 1955, you know, minus the Jim Crow peace in the South. Okay. If you could drag this country back back to to 1980, we at least had rules for dating, Scott. I mean, there wasn't the expectation when I was dating in high school that you'd have sex on the first or the fifth date. Like they don't even go on dates now. They they do hookups and they they, they talk on the phone or text on the phone. That's right. not the basis of a relationship. And right. yet, everybody under 30 thinks that's what you do. I oh, met him on Tinder. It's like, you didn't meet anybody. Right. right? You right. met him in real life. You didn't meet him on Tinder. You exchanged, you know, they could be a bot. You have no idea what you're even doing. Right. And of course, well, and all of the dating apps is like, swipe left, swipe right from a photograph. Right. Right. 90% of the people who are married now would not if it was if it was a a, a dating app that's not who they would have tried to right. end up with right. right i mean it was like somebody you met you knew the same people you right. went you know saw them four or five times and then you decided to go on a date because you thought that you could stand them for three hours right <laughs> and lo and behold it was better than you thought and the next thing you know you have a relationship and then you get married it's not there's no such thing as love at first sight and all of these dating apps are built essentially off of that right oh there's the chemistry right away with a picture it's built off of commoditizing people and so you i look i view it like i you know i love scrolling through like uh real estate apps where you're looking at houses it is the same dynamic for people it's like you're buying a product and this is why i'm so angry at lindsey graham because he exploited the uh cultural rot to tank republicans because he knows that this exists and so like without addressing the cultural issues around it he threw a bomb into the uh electorate with this national abortion thing that no one asked for and is not necessary and i was like the only reason you would do something like that is to to harm your own side and 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 it, it's so it cynical been, it's just well it would have been a little different had it been i'm trying to think of uh, of a modern you know like the name that comes to it had it been somebody like jesse helms that brought that right you'd say you know what that's his conviction speaking it's not smart but it's who he is right okay he's pushing that's an agenda he's, he right. feels really sick right the fact that it's lindsey graham that does it okay <laughs> who is who is blows with the wind i mean this guy was john mccain's mini me and then he was like little trumpy Lindsay. and i mean give me I, a I think it's more pernicious than that i don't think he was ever trump's Lindsay. i think that no he, he wasn't but what i'm what i'm saying is there's nothing yeah. about him is sincere i'm i'm no. you know like i'm agreeing with you but yeah you know yeah and and it's it's in that case it's a deliberate um you know it's a deliberate because he Lindsey graham didn't want all these these you know, MAGA revivalists, the Blake Masters and 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 the, you know, the Laxalts. He didn't want those guys to win because those are the guys that would have dumped McConnell and he would have had to go sue for peace with them, right? Like he would have had to go, you know, change who he has, changed his spots again just to try to get a committee chairmanship and all this other BS. And now he gets, he gets what he wants. If it's a 50-50 Senate, they don't have to actually be effective because they can blame the whole thing on Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins again. Yep. 
And Bill Cassidy, and oh, well, you know, we couldn't stop that judge. We couldn't stop this. We couldn't stop that. So they yeah. bought themselves two more years. But yeah. I can tell you, you know, and this is what you and I might disagree with this. This gag has whiskers on it. Okay. This shit is old. People are sick and tired of it. It's old, but it's working. And I don't think no, no, it's, 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 it's working. It's working for now. It's working yeah. for now. But the day is going to come when it doesn't work. Okay. And, and really, the con if you're, if you're a, con a conservative, stop getting, and look, we can beat the hell out of Trump all day. We can defend Trump all day. That's not what's going on here. That's not right. what time it is. If you're a no. conservative activist, if right. you're a MAGA, a revivalist, if you're America first, whatever it is, that's not the issue. The issue is not whether it's Trump or whether it's DeSantis. And I mean, you, although if you want to put a word into Trump's like, look, try and be nicer and don't freaking rock the boat quite as much as you're doing. But the big issue is you need to get together with your House member and your senator and you need to make them understand that leadership, McCarthy, McConnell, OK, has to go. Yeah. They are failures. They have failed time and time again. The, you know, the, the, we're having this this discussion about whether the failure is intentional. All right. That you are not going to build a governing majority. You are not going to win consistently for as long as we're going to need to to fix the country and save it with these people. They're bums. OK, they are no good. And I think there's, there's pl plenty, plenty of them in the House that are ready to get rid of McCarthy. In fact, I think when we do our next podcast, we may be talking about the fact that he can't get to 218. OK, Andy Biggs is the Freedom Caucus guy is, is running. I don't think Andy Biggs expects to win. I think what he's trying to do is force a compromise. And maybe it's a Scalise, maybe it's a Mike Johnson or whatever. But it's mm -hmm. not McCarthy. Yeah. And because, look, as bad as McCarthy is, he's like, hey, I want to govern the House the same way Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi did. We're not going to do regular order. We're not going to let the members bring amendments on the floor. Right. Like, we're not going to have a motion to vacate the chair if everybody goes, God, this guy's terrible. Like, we're not going to have any of that. I'm going to rule the way Pelosi did, right? And I mean, the, the members in the House are like, forget it. We're not doing that. You will not be speaker under those rules. Right. Um, and so there is movement that this could change. Now, in the Senate, we needed to get to 54. And we're at 49. And we may not well, be able to get thing to is, is The thing is, is the one who knew that the most was was McConnell. So yeah, and he sandbagged. I mean, he absolutely sandbagged. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and the thing of it is, like, that's the issue. OK, we can sort yeah. out Trump and we get two years to sort out Trump and DeSantis or not quite two years. Right. We got right. plenty of time to sort that. out. But what needs to happen, Mitch McConnell has an approval rating of seven, seven percent. Right. Seven out of 100, seven, 93 percent of the people they do these surveys, they say Mitch McConnell is trash. We don't want him. He's garbage. That's not just Democrats. That's most Republicans, too. OK, right. 86% of Republicans think that he's trash. Right. The 7% right? are in the beltway. I, you know, they're the ones who voted for Evan McMullen for president inside of D.C. OK, so that whole election was a debacle. There were a few bright spots. We Republicans won school boards. This this goes and undergirds your point that the culture stuff does matter. We should be talking about it. Um, yeah, 
And we had some places that were surprises, Long Island. I personally think it's just because that the vote uh, vote uh, ballot harvesters never imagined that they would have a potential sweep in New York. And so they couldn't get ahead of the Republican votes. Um, so we have that, you know, and that's going to probably save the House for the Republicans if it's saved, if the Democrats don't, you know, magically find votes everywhere and that that haven't been, you know, the seats that haven't been uh, tabulated and counted yet. But the last thing that I want to talk about is a an underlying issue on the right that I have, am fed up with. And this is the idea of the um, speech police, the tone police and who can say what police. We have a problem on the right where if you are not fill in the blank person saying fill in the blank thing, you cannot say it. It's why every we had so many people who, you know, um, I'm not going to name any names, but we're OK with the God types getting booted off Twitter on the right. We have a lot of uh, on the right. We have people who don't really like the base, don't want to hear what they have to say, and don't like anyone who will defend what they have to say. So the vast majority, we have this real mismatch in um, kind of the think tank world and the uh, journalism, right, leaning journalism world when it comes to actually the people of the party and the people on the right in the country. They they feel the same way about them. McConnell and his ilk and uh, the dispatch and the, you know, all of those groups hate the uh, conservative base and have for years um, as much as the left does. And what that leads to is this real distorted kind of echo chamber amongst the you know, smart set in DC where they can't even fathom why Trump would still be doing well, right? Why he would still even have a chance. And so there's, you know, how the New York Times readers can't fat, well, I don't know anybody who's voted for, you know, a Republican. Well, we've got that on the right. And there's this general scorn. So which is why there was nothing, you know, you could hear mice squeaking. They, about like the J6 people being thrown in jail. By the way, we've just found out that the FBI had what at least eight uh, informants among the oath, amongst the oath keepers who are currently being, uh, you know, this was a, a setup. Every yeah, yeah. level of of January 6th was a setup, mm-hmm. and and we have people on the right who are a okay with this because it took a lot of inconvenient activists out of the game this cycle and my question is do these people prefer to lose they don't want to hear a, an idea outside of their own i think they would and so like we have a situation where in some of these states and and you have the never trumpers going well i told you you know it's like you got what you deserve um when you're looking at some people who was like Carrie Lake. The other Republicans would get the votes, but Carrie Lake didn't because she was perceived as a Trumper. And I'm like, are we going to have to, if the base does to the um, never Trump group uh, in this next cycle, what the establishment folks have done towards 
them, where they'll just tank the candidates just for spite. Um, if that happens the other way, the Republicans will never win ever again. And I'm kind of at the point because the, the establishment GOP is so terrible that I'm like, well, if that happens, I guess the country's going to pot. But you clearly don't care about the country because you would tank perfectly good candidates because they weren't yours. I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of like the different people on the right saying, you can't say that. You can't talk that way. We're going to cancel you if you do this or that. And I I'm just fed up. Do you know how many people have come to me and said, why are you friends with this person or that person? And sometimes it's the same two people talking about the other person. There's so much infighting and bullshittery on our side that I don't see how we overcome that. We have these great, humongous cultural issues that are going to destroy the republic, that are in the process of doing it. And we have this kind of crap on our side. You do not hear on the left bitching about their base. You don't hear people, you know, no one, as annoying as AOC is, you don't hear people saying anything derogatory about the, the squad or whatever they are. You know, you, you just don't. They deal with their crap behind closed doors. And they don't air it out. And our side, there is not, no one can keep their mouth shut. And that didn't start with Trump, by the way. This was a problem predating Trump. That problem is why we've gotten Trump, because so many people felt voiceless that they needed the biggest mouth in the country to stand for them. And I don't see it changing. Do you? Um, well, look, this is an issue that, like you said, this has gone on for a very, very, very long time. And the thing that you need to, I mean, if you want to explain it, it's very simple. Where are the bulwark and the dispatch and the rest of the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Lincoln project to take an extreme example of these guys, because they're not really on the right. They just pretended to be so they can get paid. But the, the whole point is like, who's funding it, right? Big tech is funding all these guys now. They want controlled opposition so that they can move the country as left as they want to move it. These are the guys that get the money. Okay. I mean, you know, you go back FTX, we talked about earlier, Mitch McConnell got two and a half million dollars. How much do you think JD Vance or Blake Masters got from FTX? They got nothing. Right. right. So, I mean, the whole point is, is that when you have a corporate structure and you have, you know, the, the left wing billionaire alliance that is mm -hmm. trying to shape the right, you're always going to have whores who on both sides, you'd have this. I mean, you know, if the, the, the well, dynamics are different, you'd have it on the yeah. left too. But, um, and in fact, what's happened on the left is-, is that the, the same people, the, the same fund, the funders fund this, the same whores on both sides. That's the thing I find irritating. Well, of course, well, but the thing of it is, is that, you know, the people that used to get all the funding on the left were like the liberals, right? Like the Daniel Patrick Moynihan's or whatever, right, you know, right. and they, they decided, no, no, no. And now the liberal, you never hear about liberals anymore. It's all leftists because right. the liberals can't get any money anymore. Right. So, right. I mean, like this dynamic works to some degree on both sides. All right. But the big thing is, is that they're not going to stop funding the Jonah Goldberg wing of the conservative movement, if, if there even is such a thing, right? Like the shadow, you know, transparently non-existent wing of the conservative. Like they're going to keep funding that 
and propping up pet conservatives, all right, because it's to their benefit, okay? Um, and, you know, and, and until you build the infrastructure to fund the kinds of things that actually move the conservative movement forward, rather mm -hmm. than depending on, you know, leavings from someone else's table, this right. is going to be a problem. Like, if you want to fix this, what you're going to have to find, you're going to have to build an act blue on the right. You're going to have to build a, you know, democracy alliance on the right. You're going to have to do these things, which is the number one reason why Ronna McDaniel, I, I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous that she was trying to get another term as the party chair, because all of these things, how long has act blue been around? And there's no freaking Republican, um, uh, analog they, tried. They, they tried remember back in the uh oh, what was his name who did it there was a similar type of thing uh, melissa yeah why are you stopping trying well oh no you're the thing is right? it's like I, you keep I doing that until it works because you have to have an analog for what the other guy is doing to beat you you have to have that on your side oh our people don't like that bullshit make them like it Start giving away T-shirts. Do whatever. It's a marketing problem. Do whatever the hell it is that you've got to do to get those people to start kicking twenty dollars in, a, a, you know, all over the place. If the Democrats can get twenty million donors a cycle through Act Blue, then don't tell me the Republicans can't do it. I don't want to hear that crap. Okay, get get Trump involved. Hey guys, you need to go to Act Red. And you need to you know toss your twenty bucks in whatever okay build a freaking infrastructure go harvest ballots produce conservative cultural content do the things that they're beating you with and you will find that they beat you less don't just right. sit here and say well we're gonna have to you know adapt to the new normal bullshit make the new normal okay this is the one thing and this goes i mean i wrote this in my book right standing athwart history yelling stop is bullshit it's terrible it should have never been allowed to be the motto of the conservative movement it's garbage you grab history by the throat you stick a gun in its mouth and you force it to go where you want it to go and our side <laughs> still doesn't understand this and i can right. give you all of the anecdotes and all of the structural examples you know i mean you've heard me do the whole thing about how we negotiate they ask for 100 and we end up giving them 30 and get nothing back and then our guys are like i got 70 out of it it's like no asshole, well, we're, doing well, is, we're doing that right now with the whole um the national you know putting it national law uh for gay marriage and i'm like we always do it we do it on everything that's why, the point. we don't think about how to go on culture, offense cultural ground and so like you know i don't know if you know this but way back when michael Steele was at the rnc and, and before that okay well here's the thing that people don't remember and i remember because i put together a whole study paper for the rnc um they got hacked one time and it came out and it's made it into like the new york times or washington post or something that i had done this but this was years and years ago and Michael Steele was elected because the RNC was so calcified. And one of the first things that he did, and what people don't understand, on the left, when the DNC is operating in a, on a four-year cycle, they continue all the time. The RNC does the two-year on and two-year off. 
where they're taking two years basically off and then they it's impossible to get any momentum. It's impossible to do, do to do structural changes. And I don't know if that's changed or not in the interim, but last I knew it hadn't. And so like you have this inherent like powering down of the RNC and then powering back up and it's impossible to keep momentum. But he came in and they had certain vendors who had been supplying the RNC for years who were just grifters taking money. So he hired a or fired a bunch of them that pissed off the NRSC. So they um, started telling everybody not to give the RNC any money because so the vendors were that went and said that he wasn't getting anything done. It was bull crap. He was looking at rebuilding everything. And so they starved the RNC of money. Like it was a purpose, purposeful thing. Frankly, I think it was kind of racist because of he's black and um, and it wasn't because of incompetence. He was on the right track with what he was doing, with what he wanted to do with technology, a whole bunch of stuff. So they booted him out, of course, because he wanted to make some changes and they brought and he wasn't very deft with the politics of it you know with what was going on and so he you know that kind of got overwhelmed him and then so he's gone and what do they the rnc do they went back and hired all the people who'd failed for years and this so like anybody who gives to the rnc is a fool in my opinion and always has been they don't do the right thing they misuse and abuse money. They hand it off to, you know, friends who are failures and then they don't actually do anything. And so, so like this has been historically a huge problem. And so it was, it's always been left on the right to the outside kind of grassroots groups to do the work that the Republicans won't do and can't do. There was a time when we had grassroots, they'd leave precinct, precinct chairs open, the Republican Party, all throughout Texas. It, complete incompetence from top to bottom. They wouldn't share their lists of people with people who were willing to do the work that they weren't to knock on doors. And they and they refuse to share information. The RNC, the Republican Party, has traditionally been terrible, and it predates Trump. So, like, I have plenty of criticisms for Trump, but I will not hear it from Ronna McDaniel, and I will not hear it from the NRSC and NRCC and Mitch McConnell. Those types, I I won't hear it. You guys have been around for years and failed over and over and over again. You failed with McCain, you failed with Romney, you failed in a time when you should not have failed, and now you failed this cycle, and you were given warnings last time. And because you hated Trump, you didn't want anything fixed. And so, okay, they are deciding, I think, that the, the leadership of the Republican Party would rather have money and be enriched personally and watch the, the America go down the tubes than do something to um, win the country back. Because there was, a, I feel, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity this cycle. And, and the structural problems that we're talking about, where single women are plus 37 Democrats, where people are getting married older, and all of the young people have been sold pure lies, and they're more socialist because they're more insecure. You don't change that overnight. These are huge, catastrophic cultural issues. And 
we have a Republican Party who cares more about their personal power and wealth than they care about the country. And that's my two cents about that. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's correct. I mean, look, this is going back to sort of the country club Republican mindset, right? Like, I mean, they, they look at the culture. I mean, these are people that generally, and it's a donor class thing on the Republican side. Your typical Republican donor is somebody who is a self-made millionaire, okay, mm-hmm. um, who uh, lives in a gated community on a golf course. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with any of this. Has, you know, the seven habits of highly successful people, right? They don't watch TV. They don't listen to top 40 radio. Like, like I mean, their social schedule is full because they're always going to these things and, and hanging around like other rich people. And they don't see what's going on, you know, beneath the like upper crust that they're in. And then when these people finally do sort of like open their eyes and see it, all they want to do is surrender because they're, oh my God, I had no idea I was this bad. I mean, where they thought, look, I'm just going to buy politicians to keep the status quo because America is awesome. Right. Right. And it doesn't matter if the Democrats win, if we win, we'll go back and forth and it's all fine. What they don't understand is that the culture that created this idyllic America that they see at the club, okay, is is eroding really rapidly, okay? It's being scoured out from the bottom, all right? Some some just by, you know, kind of the organic decline of a society, but way more than that, by active efforts being taken by the radical left, you know, who control Hollywood, who control academia, who control news media and all these other institutions, and when they finally realize, oh, wow, it's not, you know, like people like you and I who have been for years screaming, hey, we've got to get involved in this and we have got to fight on this level. Help us. And they're like, eh, you know, that's that's whatever. That's all crap. Right. And then they realize rather than realize that we were right all along, they go, oh, we're going to have to make our peace with this new reality. No, you don't. This fight can still be won, but you have to actually fight it, right? Right, Like it means being a little uncomfortable because if you think that you can go make peace with these guys, all you're doing is getting eaten last, okay? The oil company that pays protection money to the greens and all this kind they will get you. They want to get you. They hate you. They want everything you have and they want to put you up against a wall. That's what right. they want. If you listen to them, they will tell you over and right. over again. And their ideological compatriots in other countries have done precisely that. Okay. Right. And all, like all you have to do, if you would come down off your, you know, uh, high horse a little bit and actually talk to people who have come here from other countries and listen to their stories, they will tell you, go to Florida and talk to the Venezuelans. They will absolutely look everything that's happening here 25 years ago in Venezuela. Okay. I mean, like they're the most apocalyptic people you will ever talk to because they're like, dude, I've seen all of this. Um, Well, I mean, the thing is, is what you're describing. Stoltenitsyn talks about uh, the greatest, um, and I think Orwell 
uh, Orwell did too, talking about that the biggest constituency for the the party were single women. And they were the ones who were led the way. You see the videos in, uh, you know, in Mao's China, and it was women, you know, dragging the the old guy by the ear. You know, the college woman dragging the guy who was the artist or the farmer or whatever to uh, explain himself. I mean, you know, human nature doesn't change and... And when we watch what's happened around the world, and I don't know if you saw this, um, but evidently a bomb or something made it into Poland from Russia and killed two people. Uh, that happened just before. So I, it's not confirmed or, or, or yet. I mean, that's a big thing. The AP ran it. So, I mean, it, that's. It's yeah, like for a stray what, bomb from a bombing run or something. Well, they, I, I don't know. But, you know, we are living in a very dangerous world with very serious issues. And we have a, I can see how in the past people sat there and covered their ears and closed their eyes because it was too, too scary. And I just didn't think I would see it in America, but we're seeing it in America. Well, where I mean, like Reagan, like Reagan said, freedom is never more than a generation from, from, um, from going up, from ending, from going away. And, you know, look, I mean, we have largely failed in the task of securing the society. And so it's yeah. fraying. And we see that. It's obvious that we see it. The question, I mean, the, but this is the thing. No fight is ever over while you have fight left in you, okay? Mm-hmm. And our side is so fatalistic about, it, oh, you got to, you know, make your separate piece. Because, and the answer is no. Don't stop fighting. You always keep fighting. You up the ante because the other side doesn't want to stop. You have to make them stop. You have to make them feel like they're not safe to continue to fight. And that's how you win. Okay. I mean, it is how you win. But the thing is, when you have the leaders that the Republicans have and that the center right has, the institutions on the right, when the church itself is capitulating to this stuff, when you have churches capitulating, when you, when any institution that, you know, is about maintaining any sort of tradition and creating a cultural, cultural safety and, you know, foundation and standards. framing it. The word standards. you're looking for is standards. Yes. When you have people who would, who crave power more than they crave uh, a culture and a, a republic for the future. And I don't know if you've noticed how many of these people don't have children, but you know, when you don't have any uh, um, concerns about the future, because you're living for yourself, you know, this is the fight that we, so it's like, I feel like there's two fights. There's a one for the country and there's the one for the people who could save the country. And this is why the leaders of the Republican party have to go because so much is at stake and they do not care or they care more about themselves. Well, it's so, the latter because they think they've already lost. Yeah. And I mean, this this is I, why I, you have so many people, like somebody gets elected and you're, you know, 10 years later, like what happened to that guy? He was good. I thought he was really good. And then he's not. Those are the people they are demoralized. They've lost, they've lost heart. And so they're going to go make a separate piece because they think, oh, well, you know, we, there's nothing we can do about this. Rather than continuing the fight and being, 
you know, like, I, you know, I, I'm going to give a shout out here because I know we're getting close to the end of this. Yeah. So Louis Gomer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Louis never stopped fighting though he's retiring, never stopped fighting the fight, never stopped getting called names by everybody right. in the establishment. They made him out like he was a loon. And yet Louis was right about practically every word that came out of his mouth. Right. And he never stopped. He kept fighting and he kept winning arguments. And I mean, the leadership over there hated him with a blinding white hot passion. All right. right. But it didn't phase him. He kept at it. You know, there's mm-hmm. this this famous story of, you know, he goes and he asks John Boehner an inconvenient question. And, mm-hmm. and Boehner, who was generally, you know, good time Charlie, got so mad at Louie that he just dog cussed him you know, dropped every F-bomb he had in his in his arsenal, mm-hmm. blah, 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 and hammered all it. And then Louis just stood there quietly and took it. And as soon as Boehner was finished, he says, yeah, but you didn't answer my question. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and like that, like that's who you have to, we need, we need a vast army of Louis Gomers who are, no, I'm going to stand up for the truth. And I don't care if you're going to call me names and you're going to, belittle me and act as though I'm a loon because I'm asking basic questions and demanding basic standards. And if if you could get 218 Louis Gomerts in the House of Representatives, this country wouldn't be in trouble. You'd, you'd see things get fixed so fast because people who can say two plus two equals four, d- despite whatever you know calumnies get thrown their way, those are the people you can build a society from. And we don't have enough of them, but it's not that hard to build them. You focus on what's true and you insist on it and you will get those things. And that really is what the fight is about. And it's what the conservative movement should be about, must be about. You know, Mm -hmm. there's an enormous amount of noise out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really proud that the two of us have not talked about the Trump versus DeSantis thing. And I don't want to start. okay? because that's what people probably tuned in thinking, oh, they're going to talk about Trump and DeSantis. No. We're not no. going to because it's bullshit. We don't have to do that crap right now. What we have to no. talk about is much more basic things basic. and get yes. those right. And then you can talk about who the standard bearer is after you've figured out what the standard is. And exactly. what this term showed is that we don't have that in place because the right. leadership doesn't have it in place. And until right. we have it, we're like, and I've said this all along, that the red wave was there. The real question is whether the Republican Party was good enough to make it worth something. And what we found is they're not even good enough to create it. No, they're not even good enough to monetize it because you had five million more votes for Republicans than you had for Democrats. And these guys with that momentum couldn't make it happen. And you go look at every one of these Senate races that they lost, their guy got outspent like it was un freaking believable two to one three to one five to one ten to one yeah like you weren't gonna win those races somebody spends 75 million dollars against you in arizona you better have 50 million and blake masters had half that okay right and that's why you got is probably um almost as sure assuredly why herschel walker is going to get beat in georgia but you know you can't give up on that that race has got to be won Everybody, like all hands have to be on that deck. There need to be rallies all over Georgia in every single county, every single day with someone people have heard of going down and begging people, begging people to vote for Herschel Walker to save the country. 
oh, but Herschel's stupid and he's not spot what. Forget it. It doesn't matter. The other side elected a meat sack. They elected a guy right. who is incapable of thought of any kind. He's a They're talking about him for president. MSNBC. I know. <laughs> I know. Read my American Spectator column this week. It's like the I best saw. thing I've ever written. Fetterman 2024. It's a no-brainer. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but they look, they don't care about they'll elect that guy. Right. They elected right. a dead guy to the state legislature in Pennsylvania. Right. And right. well, the guy died and it was too late to get him off the ballot. But the freaking um the Democrat caucus in the Pennsylvania legislature puts out a statement. We're proud that the folks wanted to honor him posthumously. And it's like you're proud that they voted for a dead guy. You can't be proud of that. That's like, that's a bad look. But and they are. Like, oh, it's look. They, yes. They, they have zero point. standards. And the whole point is we're going to get hung up on the fact that Herschel Walker is probably not the guy we want to see on Fox News. And Mike's like, wake up. Wake up. The other like side will anyway. like anyone. <laughs> so freaking beat them. And that's the only thing that matters. Right. Right. All right. Well, with that, and you're cheerleading. I think we should stop there, Scott. This has been, I wanted to say a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you about the state of things, but this is catharsis. We have that very going cathartic. Yes, it is cathartic. Um, go read what Scott wrote about Fetterman. It's fantastic. It's a no brainer. Go read it at spectator.org. And um, we have had just gangbuster analysis over there and so like there are places that are saying the truth where you will get the full story well where you will have the unconventional wisdom that will be the kind of wisdom that's needed to win but we cannot do what we've always done and expect different results and so I'm hoping that the people who watch this, that you'll share this video with people who are getting all hung up on the DeSantis uh, Trump thing, because uh, Scott is absolutely correct here. We have to get first things first. And we got some house cleaning we have to do on the Republican side. And we have not done it for multiple cycles. And we are paying the price now. Politics is a long game. And we are paying the penalty for decisions made many cycles ago, and that predates Trump. And it is time for new management. It is time for a new way, because this way obviously hasn't worked. And the you know when Trump won in 2016, that was pretty much a fluke. The Republicans had really done a really great job at losing gracefully. And that's what McCain did. And that's what Romney did. They don't know how to, and the people who engineered those losses are still in power in the Republican party and they need to go. And we need people who see reality. And right now the Republican leadership is having problem with that basic concept. So I hope you'll join us next week. Thank you for listening today. Find us, find Scott's work at TheReviver.com. Find it. R-V-I-V-R and spectator.org and um, subscribe. I'm going to give you guys a hint for those of you who are watching. We have a subscription deal coming up. It's going to be live soon. Watch for that and get all your family members, even the plus 37 ones, a subscription and help them learn. And it'll be a beginning. We just need to start somewhere. All right. Thanks folks. We'll see you next week.